0: and welcome to Paradox, Untold Stories from Athletic Directors. We, myself, I'm Dr. Danielle LaBoyne, and we have Dr. Dustin Smith with us, and we are so excited today because we have a very special guest, and that is Phil Ryzen from the NIAAA. How are you this morning, Phil?
1: Great, Danielle, and thank you for the opportunity to be with you and Dustin today.
0: Thank you for being here. Um, you know, I sometimes I tease Dustin about his... Uh, his uh, sappy long intros and i'm sure you're going to get one in just a second but before we do that i just want to thank you thank tickets bigot for being our sponsor they're the reason all of our episodes um are possible so thank you tickets bigot and they're also the niaa official ticketing partner so thank you to them now dustin how are you doing this morning are you ready for your intro today
2: man I am I am ready I have been ready for this for quite some time this has been something that I've looked forward to for a lot of reasons uh one I know that Phil's really got to defend himself and his honor um, and he's he's taken some abuse from some previous guests uh, that have taken some shots on him and now he gets the chance to defend himself in those uh ventures whether those stories are true or not but I'm excited because we have Phil Rising Phil is Uh, Somebody I really look up to, uh, and he's been uh, a mentor, he's been a friend, he's been somebody that that we connected actually in person through Doug Kilgore uh, at our state association, uh, our state conference a few years back and got to talk about, uh, don't hold this against Phil, but he is a Kentucky basketball die-hard fan. I'm talking die-hard <laughs> fan. Uh, he bleeds blue. He's part of the Big Blue Nation, and uh, he he represents them up in, in Indianapolis. But prior to that, he spent time in, in Kentucky as an athletic administrator and been a coach, and he's done a variety of things. But the best title I think Phil has is a husband, uh, and he gets to be a husband and a dad. I think those are the two things that he takes great par- pride in. But but Phil is casting a vision for our our association. Um, he's he's soon to be taking over as the executive director of the NIAAA, and he's following somebody that has been a mentor to him, somebody that's been a rock for him, and somebody that's been a rock star for our association uh, and for our profession, to be honest with you, and Dr. Mike Blackburn. So we're honored to have Phil Risen as our guest, and I'm going to take some shots at Phil, I'm sure, later on, and he'll probably take some shots at me but Phil, man, I'm, I'm excited we finally got you on here. You're going to get to know me in a in a whole different light now as we serve together. Uh, I, I get to be on the board and get to serve and share in some of those discussions and the leadership that that is for our NIAAA membership. But man, I'm excited you're here with us, so I appreciate you taking the time this morning to join us.
1: Well, it's an honor and a privilege to be with both you and Danielle and and yourself and, uh, you know, as you talked about, uh, the great thing about our profession is you mentioned that network connection through Doug Kilgore. We form a relationship that's a lasting relationship because someone shared, as as Doug always shares, uh, warmed by fires that other have built. And we we are all in this profession for that. So, first of all, thank you all for what you're doing as you advocate for the our profession of athletic administration. Thank you for what you do daily in your schools individually and the the most precious commodity that you're working with our students and with our coaches. So I'm excited about the opportunity, number one, to defend myself. Number two, (laughs) to kind of share with you a little bit about my me as we as I venture into a new new realm of responsibility. And as you said, Dustin, so eloquently, I'm losing not only a mentor, I'm losing a friend. Uh, someone who has been there for me for longer than the six and a half years that we've worked together. Much before that, when I started teaching with uh, leadership training with the legal courses with Dr. Lee Green. And so, uh, it. you know, uh, this morning he was he's in the office. Uh, he'll be here until the 20th. And we kind of talked. Uh, we did transition last week. Transition is that we made some office moves and kind of some relocation, especially with the hiring of rich and with. Uh, with Becky, and so we moved some offices. He had to move out of his, and I moved into his and Becky moved into mine and uh, trying to do this and you know I, I told my wife this weekend we were here at the office kind of arranging some things and whatever I said it's a little bit bittersweet, but um you know Mike is ready for this this chapter of his life, in the fact with his grandchildren, him and Brenda are just wonderful people uh and the, the service, not only that he provided educationally at Northwestern and the schools that he worked at, but for the last seventeen years with the NIAAA is just as you said, been so commendable. And we're going to be we're we're going to miss him, but he's not going far. Far, he's going to be right there. I've got him on speed dial, and and I can assure you, I'll be reaching out to to communicate with him on a regular basis to pick his brain.
2: So let let's let's touch base with who Phil rising is outside of the executive director. I know that takes a lot of your time and I know that's your focus, but uh, I kind of briefly touched on it, but besides being an avid Kentucky fan, what does the resume not tell us about who Phil rising is?
1: Well, you know, right now it's kind of hard to be a Kentucky fan, especially in basketball, (laughs) really struggling. And, you know, I'm hoping, uh, I'm hoping after that, uh, you know, we got took to the woodshed by the Crimson Tide last Saturday. So I'm kind of hoping that uh, Coach Cow can get it turned around. But I'm starting to, to have my doubts a little bit whether or not this is going to be a lost season. But uh, it's never really a lost season uh, when you get the opportunity to play a wonderful game. But when you talk about me and you talk about um, who Phil Rising is, first of all, I was fortunate enough to have two wonderful parents that uh, Barbara and Johnny Risen, who raised me in a, in a good Christian home, who challenged me to be better every day, who encouraged me, who was there for me and supported me, but supported me in the right way. Not in the fact that, first of all, the coaches and the teachers were in charge, and I was to go to class and to do what they asked me to do and to do it in, to the best of my ability. So fortunate enough for that. I had a brother, uh, one sibling. He's uh, seven years older than I am. And the, the, the ironic, the reason I mentioned my brother Bart is that the fact that we had the privilege and the honor to work together for 21 years. And in that spiral of that 21 years, I was his assistant basketball coach for nine years. And then from that, I became the athletic director, assistant principal. And quite frankly, he started working for me. And so it was a great turn of events. And so. Married my high school sweetheart, uh, Paula, and uh, we've raised two wonderful children, Lindsay and, and Kobe, And both of them are very successful in their careers and what they're doing. One's an occupational therapist. The other one is an actor interpreter for the Children's Museum here in Indianapolis and really enjoys that. And so we've got uh, a son-in-law, Austin, who is a high school assistant principal and athletic director at the school in which I've worked for those 27 years of my 30. And then uh, he uh, does a fabulous job, and I'm so proud of him. And then, quite honestly, got two of the jewels of our life, uh, Will Maples and and Peyton Maples. And one's a second grader. The other one is three, going on 16. And and she's just the light of our our life. And it's just exciting. And I've been blessed and been honored. Uh, I've I've had an array of positions. As you said, I'm I'm a business education major. So I got into the business education field because quite honestly, I wanted to always have the fact that if I didn't like teaching, if I didn't like education, maybe it, you know, there would be some other ventures or some other avenues for me to pursue. And fortunately, I got a great start at a small school in Paris, Kentucky. Uh, and, um, just had a great blessing. And, and it, from that point on, uh, was mentored for the next, uh, Part of my career from just being falling in line and being mentored by some of the most uh, human uh, humility individuals that have just taken their time to share with me. So I guess you would say at the end of the day, who's Phil Rising? I'm blessed and I'm honored and I'm thankful. I'm thankful for every opportunity that I get. Uh, there are challenges in every opportunity, but there's also opportunities that we can utilize. To make us better and to grow others around us. So excited about that. Excited about where the, the what the future holds. And uh, I'm not, I'm not Dr. Mike Blackburn. I'm Phil Ryzen and I'm going to lead like Phil Risen, And that's all I know to do. And I, I know this. I love our profession. Uh, our profession of athletic administrators to me is, uh, it, it's this, the salt of the earth in the sense that it's individuals that care tremendously about their programs, care tremendously about their students, and people just, I want to be an advocate for the fact that people don't understand how hard they work, and when you look at the responsibility from a liability standpoint, uh, from, from legal standpoint, from medical standpoint, from just the, the fact of personnel standpoint of what our athletic m- administrators do on a daily basis, I can say. And I can say because of the different roles, it's one of the hardest jobs in the the school district period. Uh, A lot of people used to say the principal was, and and I say that's true, but I also see a principal sometimes that has three or four assistant principals or three or four counselors. Sometimes I see an athletic administrator that, guess what? That's who you got. That's it. That's someone who's taking care of planning and organizing and whatever. There are those... uh, You know, uh, pockets of excellence out there where you will have an athletic administrator that primarily has, uh, an assistant and maybe an administrative assistant and maybe also some other maintenance personnel that, that work with them. But for the most part, that's not the norm. So, uh, just excited about our profession. And I go back to, uh, a long time ago when I was teaching and coaching, there was an individual that influenced me and his name was Grant Taft and Got the privilege and the honor to meet Grant Taft about seven years ago for the first time after listening to him through FCA and whatever. And he, he wrote a book entitled, I Believe. And in that book, he talks about the fact of having the power of believing in what you do. And I want you to know that I believe in what our athletic directors do on a daily basis. And I believe that we're making a difference daily. And I'm excited about that opportunity.
2: Now, Phil, you you said you grew up in a home where your parents challenged you to be better. And I'm not sure if I need to get this out in the open right off the bat, but due to some prior guests that have made some statements about be better, maybe even on a paperweight, can we go ahead and clear the air on this? Did you get a paperweight that says be better on it?
0: Well, just notice, though, Dustin, before he answered that, notice when he was describing himself, he didn't say golfer. That wasn't a thing that he associated himself with either. So now I'm a little concerned with the connection there, if if he does have a paperweight or not.
1: (laughs) Daniel, I was remiss in mentioning that. Uh, Of my hobbies, (laughs) the one thing I do love to do that I don't get to do quite as much as I used to due to the fact of the uh, daily – Daily challenges of working for the NIAAA is uh, hitting that white ball. I do enjoy that. And uh, there was a point in my life that I was uh, uh, very competitive with it and very good and uh, enjoyed playing it. And I still do. Uh, I think it's a release for me. And I look forward to those opportunities when you get to play with your friends and to Dustin's point, uh, this great profession, I had the opportunity to play in a, in an event basically ta- tabled and labeled as the Brickyard Classic. I think that was <laughs> a Mike McGurk or a Josh, uh, but they in in uh, the, the Missouri Mafia, as we refer to them, basically uh, challenged Lannis uh, Robinson and I to a, a round of golf at the Brickyard Classic. And, and though it was highly competitive, we didn't win that day and, and uh, we lost and, uh, you know, you, the old adage is that the old coach in me, I want to be, uh, you know, I want to be humble uh, in victory, you know, and, and humble in defeat. And so with that being said, we've, Lannis and I have been very humble in the sense, And but to, to be humble, uh, Josh and and Mike McGurk decided that they wanted to take it a step further. So they presented Lannis and I with a paperweight, a crystal paperweight on it that has our name on it, and I don't know if you can see that there, but it basically says Phil Risen, and it has a golfer, and it says second place, <laughs> and then it says below that be better, which is kind of a spin on Lannis because Lannis' theme is president, which was just perfect at the right time, at the right place, and I'm convinced uh, Lannis was in that position at that time to lead when he led during COVID and and through a virtual conference because of his outstanding leadership. But then it says the Brickyard Crossing invitation. And so we do, Landis and I do have one of those, but there's a side story to this. (laughs) that needs to also be told in order for proper defense to be taken care of. Our past president now is a gentleman named Mike McGurk, who was, the opponent in this Brickyard Crossing Invitational. And so last July at our board meeting, Mike stayed for an extra day, and he and I went out and played uh, 18 holes of golf. And, of course, Mike's th- theme this year has been value others, and which has been an outstanding theme. And Mike's done a great job leading this year. When you think about all the transition, I've told Mike, I said, think about Mike, what you've had to deal with in the sense that as a president, you know, Mike's resigned, you had to hire a new executive, we've had to hire two new assistants and whatever. And he's been a part of leading that uh with the board and he's done a fabulous job. But that day he didn't value strokes. And so me being me, realizing that I want to be humble in both ways that it's presented. At uh, December board meeting, I presented Mike with a uh, frame scorecard of the score that day with signed, appropriately signed as PGA <laughs> rules would approve, USGA approved, and authorized and authenticated. And then at that point, up at the top, I had a plate that said, Mike McGurk, president of the NIAAA values others. And then down at the bottom, we talked about being better by valuing at four strokes, which he lost that day. <laughs> and of course, Mike being Mike, he said, uh, I knew it was coming. It was just a matter of time. And so we had so we've had some fun with that. I, I will say this, the most fun that we had was the opportunity for the four of us to be able to play golf. And it didn't matter who won or lost. What mattered was the fact that we were uh, fellowshipping together and we were having some fun. And I hope we hope we get the opportunity to do that again.
2: Well, I, I am going to go out on, uh, well, I'm just going to ask this question. Are you a better golfer than Mike?
1: <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. No <laughs> doubt. But there's no now, doubt. So. Let, let me say this. He had, and he will, he will respect it. The day he played at the Brickyard Crossing, if you know Kentucky basketball, he had a St. Pete performance, meaning that he was a 16 seed, and he played like a one seed that day. And so he played exceptionally well. Matter of fact, I mean, he won't admit it, but his uh, his teammate Josh Scott just kept shaking his head and like saying, man, he's just, play- he's just playing out of his head. He just don't know what he's doing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I cannot confirm nor deny, but the statement was made. Is it really a win if you're better than him anyway?
1: Well,
0: you know. Wow, you went there, Dustin.
2: That's good. That's really good.
1: (laughs) Well, especially it is a win whenever someone has bragged on the fact that they've already accomplished something. So in order to, you know, uh, and whoever says athletic administrators are not competitive, (laughs) uh, first of all, very competitive. (laughs) So with that being said, you know, that's his that's his escape clause to say the reason he lost that day. Hey, we got beat at the Brickyard Crossing because Mike McGurk that day played an unbelievable round of golf. That's awesome. We've seen that. We've witnessed that from students that we watch that they go out and, you know, it might be a gentleman or a lady that's averaging four points a game. And the next thing you know, you look and in the box scores, they've had 17 points, eight rebounds, five assists, and they just had that great day. Mike McGurk had that. When he had that day, understand, and he gave us the crystal game on right then at that point. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, I think he even admitted that though. He was like, I played exceptionally well that day. So <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs>
2: well, I've got one other question before we jump into the story. Were you at the delegate meeting in Denver? Because I don't think I saw you at the delegate meeting in <laughs> well, that's
1: always that's always a, a good punch for a point guard, especially when you gotta sit behind when you got set behind a post player that's about six foot eight, you know. Steve Drone at that point in Denver was our credentials chair. And of course he's on he's on the podium up front on the on the stage and whatever and, and Mike and I because of uh, Whatever we didn't have chairs enough chairs up front, so Mike and I sat in the back. Unfortunately, I sat behind Throny, and you <laughs> couldn't see me. So when they did the introductions, me being me again, I pretty much just get up because Throny's right in front of me and grab Throny around the neck and hug him and wave to everybody, but <laughs> you can't see me back there. So,
2: uh, is there true to the matter that there are some chairs more? Let's say have more girth to them than others at the board meetings. Wow! wow. You will find
1: out. Yes, there are, <laughs> that there is. And, and matter of fact, uh, when we we just went through a renovation at the NIA with our offices in uh, right during COVID, really, and uh, they came in and they renovated our offices because we've been here so long, and so we updated and upgraded the boardroom. So we bought new board chairs. And when we did, at that point, we we bought a couple of uh, big and tall chairs.
0: Okay,
2: <laughs> it's really funny because Throny is my mentor in this process too. He's my board mentor, so I'm sure he knew some of these shots were going to come at his expense. And I think Danielle was probably in awe because she just met him virtually like this. We had him as a guest, and then she met him in person in Nashville, and she did not realize how big <laughs>
1: big he is. It. Well, let me say this: behind that big post player, and and he might say he's a he might say he's a shooting guard or a shooting forward. I don't know, but I always tell Steve, you know, without guys like me being able to get you the ball, you'd have never been able to score. But with that being said, here's what I love about Steve Throne: he lives life to the fullest. He's passionate about what he does, and when he's in that boardroom, he's committed to serving serving the members to making sure that we're doing the things we need to do. And I'm so appreciative of that and thankful for the opportunity that he has been able to, to serve. Uh, There's a little story behind that because Steve originally, it was going to be Kevin Zimmerman who Kevin ended up taking another position in Kansas. So Nebraska had to find someone else and it ended up being Steve Throne. And again, the NI wins, uh, you know, we get Steve thrown, and he's just been a great asset in our boardroom. And just getting to know Steve has been been a blessing.
2: Well, I can I can tell stories on those guys that are surrounding that table that that you have in common. Um, but, but I know in your time as an athletic administrator, you had to have a story or two, and that's kind of the point of this podcast is, you know, those stories that kind of just blow your mind. Did, did that really just happen? And it could be in your instance a golf story. Uh, where you know maybe you maybe you sunk a three-foot putt and by the time the story's told it was a 15-foot birdie putt that you know was uphill both ways whatever you want to say Uh, but or in Mike McGurk's story world it could be a fishing story you know he caught a perch and it was actually by the time he gets it out there it was a 40-foot bass or something that he caught just because the story has grown legs if you will. So is there a story from your time in Kentucky that, that you have that that just kind of just blows people's mind or blows your mind thinking that that really just happened?
1: Well, there's a couple of stories, and uh, part of it's associated with the NIAAA, and part of it, one of them is associated with primar- primarily my work at the as an athletic administrator in Montgomery County School Systems in, in, in Kentucky. But uh, the first one there... Uh, You know, we had just put in a a new turf, uh, primarily Bermuda turf, on our uh, football stadium, and and we had installed a sprinkler system and whatever, and so kind of been trained to do that and and to monitor that and so forth and set that up, and so we were getting ready to play a home opener on a Friday night, and you know we're probably about six minutes into the first quarter, and all of a sudden the sprinkler system goes off, you know. We've probably all heard of that before, but that was directly on me. That was my fault. It was just the fact of, you know, uh, the, the dial, you know, I'm thinking the dial was somewhere else and it was somewhere else and and whatever. Uh, that was, that was one that, you know, I, I caught a lot of grief about. And then kind of as an assistant principal athletic director, uh, the, we, we hosted graduation on our football stadium and, um, so we would go out and our maintenance staff would put plywood down where we could set the chairs on our on our uh, Bermuda field and, and whatever. But we had the old lighting system. And so this was my first year as assistant system principal and AD. And so our graduates always did a candlelight procession out. And so at that point, you know, I've got uh, in coordinating this, I've got four or five people, you know, that are a, set in strategic locations to turn the lights out whenever we get to that procession as our graduates light their candles as they're proceeding out because our stadium was kind of in a bowl shape and so you could walk out on both sides and it was just a beautiful event but being the old lighting system as it is and not the led as we know today pretty much when they went down
0: they, they were back on, they um, back on. Yeah. <laughs> and about
1: about uh, a minute and thirty seconds after we had turned those off, it hit me. I've got grandparents, parents, and whatever in our stadium bleachers, and it's gonna take a while for these lights to come on and i I mean. I'm I'm immediately thinking about cuz I'm teaching liability I'm teaching legal classes I'm immediately thinking about the liability that we're assuming in this situation and so I wait patiently until the last graduate gets to a certain point with that procession and I grab the microphone from our from our superintendent and I said please stay in your seat I repeat stay in your seat <laughs> We have maintenance staff coming with flashlights to light the aisles for you as you depart. And of course, we had turned the lights back on, but you still, as you know, in the old, they're system, just
0: buzzing. They're just buzzing at this point. You know,
1: <laughs> that happened to make, you know, the front page of our local paper. And you know, I mean, my superintendent at that time, uh, he, he, he told me later, uh, cause he ultimately was the one who hired me as director of operations, uh, in our school system. He said, I, I, I knew right then that I had an individual that was thinking about everything whenever you've got the, the, uh, intestinal fortitude to come up here and grab the mic from me and say, do not move <laughs> you know, and, and whatever. Um, probably that was, uh, for me, probably the, you know, the most fun, the, the great thing I had in
0: the years well, that I had But now. everybody made it out on Scathed, right? Yeah. There was no- Everybody no made it out. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, every,
1: it, it worked, uh, Danielle, and it was a success. But uh, it was a little bit nerve wracking for me uh, and my principal at that time as we were working together and so forth. You know, uh, when you talk about being in the local setting, I I remember a lot of things. I li- I do remember- a lot of positives that I dealt with from the standpoint of working with the coaches and, and working with the students. You also in our profession deal with a lot of negatives. You deal with parents who sometimes uh, uh, have tunnel vision into the fact the way you should lead or the way you should direct or the way you should communicate or, or whatever. Then you, you also have, sometimes you can have staff that becomes obtuse to the fact that they don't want to, to work, uh, you know, um, collaboratively with students or be with students or be encouraging of students and and again i've often said and you'll continue to hear me say uh education-based athletics is the greatest dropout prevention program that any anyone has in their school district period without without because when you look at the accountability process it's just fabulous from the standpoint if i fall in love with whatever sport that may be or whatever activity that may be then at that point, that love builds a passion to the point to where, number one, I'm I'm engaged with the team. I'm engaged with the fact of someone that I'm being held accountable to, responsible for. And so I, I often think of all of that. And, you know, I can't tell you when um, Paul and I travel back to visit our grandkids or our mothers or whatever to Kentucky. And I'm in that hometown where I spent 27 of my 30 years career pretty much um i can't tell you the blessings whenever i'm at a kroger or a, a food store or a walmart or a target or whatever it may be and somebody says hey mr riser how you doing and and i get the opportunity to engage in them and talk to them and ask them about what are you doing how's things going and they they've had this they've had this many children and they're doing this and they're working here and whatever to me that's the success and when I see that, my heart swells up, and I, I know what we're doing is is important and it's valuable, and so I'm encouraged by that. So with that, and then you know, uh, you were asking about funny stories. Uh, our, our colleagues from from the state of West Virginia, uh, we you know, the NIAAA as Dustin knows is made up in sections. So uh, Kentucky's a part of Section Two, and I've, as I've often said. I just happened to be at the right place at the right time uh, in Kentucky because they get a board member on the NIAAA once every 24 years. And so that just happened to be during my tenure while I was president of the Kentucky High School Athletic Directors Association. And with that, predominantly, I was fortunate enough to be asked by our state to represent Kentucky and to serve on Section 2 as a representative. And so how fortunate I was, but prior to that, I was attending section meetings and, and in section two, they rotate. So uh, Pennsylvania might host it one year, Ohio, one year, Virginia, whatever. This year in particular, it was West Virginia. And we went up there and they had a little golf outing primarily prior to that. And so uh, we had our team from Kentucky, which was myself and Arthur Ballard and, Jeff Edwards, another athletic administrator from Louisville, Mike Barron, who was from Lexington area and whatever. And uh, we were playing an 18-hole scramble. And so after nine holes, we were seven under. And we we stopped, uh, you know, at the break. And I remember Harold Herman said, um, he said, how y'all doing? And I said, well, we're seven under. And he said, do what? And I said, <laughs> we're seven under. He said, Phil, you realize, he said, there's not anybody below you, behind behind you, that's even under. He said, why are you guys here? <laughs> and, and Harold, I love Harold. It, it, it was great. I said, well, Harold, you didn't tell me we were supposed to lay down. I mean, you, you didn't, I, you know, I thought we were competing. He said, oh, 7 under, you all don't even need to play the last nine. <laughs>
2: Nobody can catch you at seven under. <laughs>
1: and so Jeff Edwards. Jeff Edwards, he said, all right, sounds great. He said, I'm going to the pro shop and drink beer. <laughs> <laughs> so Arthur Arthur and I and Mike, we ended up finishing. And I think we ended up finishing like 13 under for, or whatever and so forth. And Harold has never forgot that. But the, the, the following two years, we're playing. We go to Pennsylvania in Hersey, Pennsylvania, and they have – the Hersey golf course up there, which has hosted a PGA event that the the granddaddy of them all, Arnold Palmer, played on. And so Arthur and I want to play that. So I reach out to Harold, and I said, hey, you want, you want to play with us? And he said, absolutely. Now, I want you to know, we start out, and the weather's a little iffy. And this is in June. And the weather's a little iffy. It's kind of overcast or whatever. And we played the first seven holes. And Harold is playing great. I'm playing pretty good. But Arthur is on fire. I mean, he is just absolutely playing Mike McGurk, playing out of his head that day, okay?
0: <laughs> and I think
1: he's like under after seven holes. And it starts raining. And, I mean, it is just absolutely pouring. Just pouring. Arthur gets his rain gear out, gets his umbrella out. I mean, here's Harold over there. He is not equipped for us to be playing in a monsoon. He has an umbrella, but that's it. He has no towels. He has no. And I mean, Arthur, he looks at me and he said, we're finished. (laughs) And I'm like, Arthur, man, I don't know. I said, this is crazy. (laughs) And it just keeps raining and raining. So we play like three more holes. We're on number 10 or whatever. And I look over there and Harold's over there in the fairway. And I mean, it's I mean, when you walk, it's nothing but a sponge, squishy, squishy, and whatever. And Harold looks at me, and he just kind of takes his white towel and he waves it. Out. it says we're good. He's like, I'm going in. <laughs> and I looked at Arthur and I said, I said, um, let's go in. He said, but he said, I'm, I said, I don't care. We're, let's go in. We got to, we got to support Harold. We we need to go in. We went in, we waited for about an hour. It didn't let up, and we never got to finish. But Harold Irvin to this day, and I love him, uh, what an AD, what what a man. And uh, those two golf trips uh, where we were able to predominantly fellowship together and whatever. And Harold, every time I see him, he says, I'm still waving the white towel.
2: I, I'm gonna make a few observations because maybe I need to play golf with you more often, Phil. Because it seems like when people play with you, they play out of their minds. So maybe well, I know, need to play with you to. You may be the good luck charm.
1: Well, I don't know that, or else I bring out the best and most. Right, you know, and uh, <laughs> uh, that 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 would be good. But Arthur that day, and Arthur's an uh, an outstanding golfer himself, and uh, you know, as I said when we were in that west at section two. Uh, We had an outstanding team. We had a team that we could probably compete against most, but uh, I didn't realize that uh, our colleagues from our other whatever were, you know, really not going to be that competitive. And so Harold, we've always had a good laugh with that, and I'm appreciative of that. And being able to see him in Nashville as he, and also being a part of when he got inducted into our Hall of Fame is just uh, fabulous. And part of our job, what we do. The people we get to see, that's the most important thing is the people, Uh, the network, the colleagues. That's what's so fun.
2: So if if I get to ask a question or two, I want to go back to your first story about the sprinklers. And it's funny that you mentioned the sponge and the deluge that happened in your golf outing. Were the, was the field becoming spongy? With the, I mean, you just kind of brushed past that—that that it was your mm-hmm. fault. They kicked on with six minutes to go. Was it during play? Was the field in bad shape? I mean, how did how quickly did you get them cut off?
1: Well, the, the field was in excellent shape because we had just redone the Bermuda turf that spring and put in new sprigs, and we'd really worked tremendously hard on that, and so it was in it was in good shape uh what the the fun thing about it is is when the sprinklers went off, I was down on the sideline, uh probably hovering around the twenty to twenty five yard line uh adjacent really to where our student section was at, and our band was at, just kind of being there monitoring the game and whatever uh they already met the officials and and brought them down and and communicated to them, and I knew every one of them and whatever. And so uh, we had just, I, I want to say it was a pitch to the right or left. I think it was away from me. And the tackle was made and kind of the players get up and all of a sudden, boom. I can hear it. You can—you know how you can hear it? The, the jets are, and I, I'm going, what is that? And then all of a sudden I see it. And from that point on, once I see it, our field house, where our um, control panel was, is up straight. As I told you, we had a bowl stadium. It's straight up a hill, probably about 35 steps. And I meant, I took off on a dead sprint. I could still run back then. I took off on a dead sprint and predominantly, everyone knew where I was headed because, you know, and the thing about it is, is here's the thing, but the field house was locked.
0: (laughs) And so I, you know how
1: when you're, when you're nervous, trying to find your keys and so i'm fumbling through my keys trying to you know open the door into the coach's office and, and whatever and so finally was able to got i was able to get it and shut it down uh you know the officials uh as i said some of them i had umpired with uh during the spring and knew knew them well and i walked down there and uh, bernie kind of walked over and he said uh you got that under control now I said, yes, sir. He said, we won't have to worry about pulling out any rain gear or anything for the rest of the game. I said, no, we should be good. So,
2: so they were prepared for rain if need be, unlike Harold was in, in Hershey.
1: That is true. Yeah.
2: yeah. Um. So my other question becomes the graduation story. And your, you called it intestinal fortitude to go up and just grab the microphone. At what point were you communicating with maintenance to say, hey, we need flashlights and we better get a bunch of them for all the stairways so people know how to get out of here? What, how was that conversation going down? And then you just, did you just jump into the superintendent and say, excuse me, I need this microphone for a second? Pretty much. <laughs> to make
1: your uh, the way the setup was on the field, um, first of all, when the lights went out, when we turned the lights out, that's kind of when it hit. And because, <laughs> quite honestly, we had not practiced. We, pra- we had practiced the candle procession, but we didn't have candles and we didn't practice it long, okay? <laughs> so when you think about your emergency action plans, which all of us Ooh. as athletic administrators this week have probably, uh, after what happened with Damar Hamlin, have probably looked at our emergency action plans to make sure that, we have things in place in order to be prepared, but immediately uh, on my my wet radio, uh, I just basically said, "There's a box of flashlights that we have that we use primarily for trafficking when we were getting uh, vehicles out of the of events." I said, "I need every uh, custodian to have one of those flashlights and to be positioned." At the aisleways of the stadium and please, some of you go up halfway and to our staff's credit, uh, seamless, just seamless was able to get there, able to turn the lights on. And again, as I said, we turned the lights back on just a little bit early so they can maybe, you know, if they'd cool down a little bit, but that was the problem. There wasn't much cool down. So didn't allow for a lot of quick, uh, aluminums to, to light up the field
0: now my last high school that I was at, um, did the same thing. i held the graduation on the stadium field. So I understand the pressure of that. I mean, it was, it was packed. It was, people were very proud of it. It was a phenomenal thing to be part of, but the pressure that I felt running it from the press box, pretty much alone while everybody else is like on the stage. Right. Um, I feel that I feel that for you. <laughs> I know exactly what that feels like and how, you know, all of the parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters who are there want it to be perfect and amazing. So I can't even imagine how you felt when the lights went off and then you were coming to that realization that these aren't going to turn back on. I mean, that's a, and it gets dark. I'm not sure, you know, where your stadium was located in regard to roads or anything, but I'm I'm assuming my stadium when it was off, it was dark. It was hard to see. So and I'm sure that 10 minutes to get those lights turned back on felt like hours, just hours.
1: Yeah, it did. And the, it's kind of like the Heinz ketchup. The anticipation was killing me in the fact of when do I flick the lights back on? Because, you know, you, you always think about the other end. Oh, if I turn them on too early and whatever, then I'm going to hear it from the graduating class and their parents. that I didn't give them a proper, you know, procession, but uh, it worked out and it did. I have one other story I want to tell you. What did you
0: do the next year, though? Right? So, did you have a plan in place? Like, what did you do the following year?
1: We put in new lights. No, I'm just oh. kidding. <laughs> we, they do have new lights now that would be able to handle that. But uh, primarily, we did, based on that, we uh, put in a plan in place to where uh, we had floodlighting. Primarily set up in the different areas, and we were able to turn those on at the conclusion of the procession.
0: So worked out tremendously. But my question is
2: simply this was the anticipation to turn off the sprinkler greater or to get the lights back on greater for you? And was the, was the anxiousness at a level that matched the anticipation on both of those situations? Yeah, for me, um, for me, I think both of them were about the same.
1: One of them, I probably had to exert a little more energy and <laughs> sprinting to get something turned off or the other one, I was able to kind of sit back and breathe a little bit and, because I knew I had some time to coordinate some things uh to to be prepared for that so probably the uh, spring thread was the one that created the immediate anxiety uh the one at the graduation uh, you know I'm, I had time to plan on that so you know immediately I start thinking where's our flashlights where are we located what how can we so uh it worked out and again it, it the, the crazy thing about our profession is, is that um, I pray that I pray that none of our athletic administrators have to deal with uh, what happened Monday night. Uh, when you think about Demar Hamlin, and you think about the fact that some of the rule settings, you know, they might not have an athletic trainer. They might be contingent on a, a, a doctor uh, who maybe is sharing and donating their time, or an RN or some medical EMT expert or whatever. But you think about that and, and, and the that liability that as athletic administrators we assume in the fact, because we, we all know that if something happens, the first thing that's going to be looked at is our planning. And are we planned and did we prepare and did we practice and, and have we done the things that would uh, – you know, best practices that would have possibly prevented any further injury or any further cause. So I think about that and I think about, I'm able, I'm I'm thankful that I'm able to laugh through uh, most of my incidents, you know, that, uh, that happened. Uh, I think about a young man that uh, played soccer for us that I ultimately ended up hiring him as our soccer coach uh, after he graduated from college, but he broke his leg, had a compound fracture. And I remember going out onto the field and uh, him looking up at me and just tears in his eyes. And he just looked at me and said, coach, it's bad. And, and I said, Nick, I love you. It's bad, but we're going to fix it. And I said, I just need you to hang with me just a little bit. And we were, and so, you know, I think about that and then to be able to hire him and to be able to watch him develop as a young man and as a coach and as a teacher, and the job he did for us as a soccer coach. I'm so thankful that, you know, I had that relationship with him as a player, but I had even a greater relationship with him as a coach and as a colleague. And and today I I, I cherish the moments
2: whenever we get the opportunity to talk. Well, it's it's clear um and who Phil Ryzen is. You didn't say this at the beginning, but your investment in others is is huge and it's paramount to you and who you are and you invest in so many in our profession, and and I will say on behalf of Danielle and I, thank you for what you do for our profession. You thanked us for for creating this space and kind of doing this and helping our administrators. But I think it's important to have leadership from the top, and you are a person that is invested in people uh, and. And the fact that you can have a personal relationship with a lot of athletic directors that our membership is over 14,000. There's a lot of people in our association and you spend time and get to know people and invest in those people. So I want to thank you from an athletic administrator standpoint for your investment in our profession and your investment in our people.
1: Thank you. And it is, it's a joy. It's a joy to have the opportunity to, to meet people. And as I've often shared with our board. Uh Some of my greatest days are whenever I look over here on my phone to the left and it's a phone call and it'll come up with caller ID and it'll say Dr. Dustin Smith or Dr. Daniel LaPointe and it'll say, or it'll say Doug Kilgore or, or, I'll, get, or I'll get a text. And, you know, sometimes we don't know. We don't know what the message does. And the message, sometimes it could be during a time of, of the fact that we're in doubt. It could be during a time of when we're not sure of what we're doing or our vision, or it could be a time when we're dealing with our family matters or, or whatever. And sometimes just to hear from a colleague across the country, I can't tell you, it's better than any shot you can get. And any vaccine, it's better than that because it's, it's filled with love. And that's what's so awesome.
0: Well, and and I thank you so much to just echo off of what Dustin was just saying because you're you you came on here and you shared some some funny stories. But the point of this is, I've had my sprinklers go off as well. Um, I didn't accept blame for them like you did. Lightning struck them, but <laughs> but but I had that that same thing happened to me. And even though I was unaware that lightning had struck them and they had a mind of their own, I felt like an awful lady. I felt awful. I felt like I failed and I could do better and be better. And I always strive to do that. Whenever I had something happen, I always felt alone. And like, I wasn't good enough, I guess, for the kids or my school. But the point is, is that these stories are happening to everyone. I mean, they're happening to Phil Horizon many years ago, but everybody has had these stories. So if they're happening to you, if you have a, a bad day or some crazy thing happened, you're not alone, even though you may feel like that. And you're the only athletic administrator on campus or maybe in your county, you're not alone. It's happening it happens to 80s across the country. And that's the whole point of this, right? Let's laugh about it and and get better from it. Let's let's turn our setbacks into our knowledge, right? That's kind of what our our motto is. So I appreciate you coming on here and sharing these stories because sometimes there are embarrassing stories, right? They're not exactly (laughs) the funnest things to bring up. So especially when, you know, they involve Paperweights, a forever memory of second place. <laughs> well, no,
1: Daniel, thank you. Thank both thank both of you. But let me say this. The, the blessing for me is, uh, and I think about it, if I would have just been an athletic director in little old central Kentucky, and if I had not got engaged in the Kentucky High School Athletic Directors Association, and I had not got engaged in the NIAAA, A, wow. I look at what all I would have missed. I would have never got to know the two of you. I would have never got to know Josh Scott, Mike McGurk, Doug Kilgore, people that have invested in me and had influence with me. So that's the great thing about um, athletic administrators. We are competitive, but at the end of the day, it's about the students that we lead and their coaches that we lead and the opportunities we provide for them. And so I'm so thankful to have the opportunity that I got engaged. That, And I haven't mentioned this individual, and I'll mention this and whatever. There was a gentleman in 1995 that kind of put his arm around me at my first Kentucky State AD conference. And he said, hey, I got plans for you. And little did I know at that point that those plans, what they, what that led to, and it was just with the fact, if you're willing to get involved, if you're willing to get engaged, we can find things for you to do to help our state association. And little did I know that that involvement would lead to involvement in the national association. And so I'm thankful for Jim Watkins every day and his influence on, on me. And, and again, as I said here, uh, with Mike and Bruce, it, it's just, you don't know the, the, the feeling that you have of knowing that you've got two individuals that, number one, care about you, not only as a, as an athletic administrator, but as a person and is willing to invest in you.
2: Well, I I don't know if I can sum it up any better than that, but I can say this, man, Phil, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate your honesty. I appreciate your your personality. And your ability to to defend yourself. I hope that we were able to defend your <laughs> honor at some point. Um and and I know that there may be a sprinkler head with the phrase be better on it that's coming to Danielle <laughs> simply because of <laughs> that's probably gonna happen. I don't know who's gonna send that, but that may happen. It's but brother, I just wanna say thank you for for jumping on here and for making time. Um for us on this podcast, but more importantly, making time for athletic administrators and for your devotion to them and for our profession to get it better.
1: Thank you, Dustin. And thank you, Danielle, for this opportunity. And again, thanks for leading with conviction and challenging everyone for us to be better.
0: Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, it was awesome getting to, to hear from you and your stories and thank you to take Spicket, spigot who is our, official sponsor and we will be back next week with another episode.